Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. I'm back from hiatus, ready for a whole new season of episodes with some of my biggest guests yet. My guest this week is a husband, father, author, podcast host, and pastor at Christ Kirk in Moscow, Idaho, Toby Sumter. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. We are under attack. The assaults of the devil and the enemies of God come at us on every side, but particularly in the areas of sexuality and marriage. This is why you so frequently hear encouragements and admonitions from me to stand firm, to love your wife, to respect your husband, to cultivate biblical joy in your homes, to stay pure, to honor the marriage bed. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Galatians 6, verse 9. You face daily attacks in your families, at your places of work, in classrooms, in the media, and online. You are mocked, you are lied to, you are tempted, and you must not lose heart. You must not doubt in the dark what you knew in the light. So what is it that we know in the light? We know that God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. We know that our hearts are dark, and that our impulses are to selfishness, slavery, and destruction. Our hearts cannot be trusted. To follow your heart is to walk down a dark and slippery path toward a sure and certain cliff. Paul says elsewhere that marriage is one of God's great solutions to sexual sin. If you're married, do not withhold from one another. Do not be distant. Men, pursue your wives attentively. Be continually satisfied with them. And wives, receive your husbands graciously. Paul says that failure here leaves room for the devil. If you're not married and wrestle with temptation, seek out godly counsel. But above all else, prayerfully seek to become the godliest man or woman you can be, prayerfully pursuing marriage. Talk to your children about temptation. Talk to them about the lies being fed to us constantly. Fathers, do not be distant from your children. Delight in them. Laugh with them. Teach them. Talk with them. Mothers, do not be harsh or coddling. We are under attack, but God created this world. He made us male and female. Do not be ashamed of this glory. Embrace your duties with joy. These are not merely gifts. They are weapons of light. We will reap in due season if we do not lose heart. God in his mercy has come for us in our darkness. There is no sin or failure that is too dark for the light of Jesus to drive away. What is beauty for? What is strength for? What is marriage for? What are children for? Have you ever given thought to these questions? I'd understand if not. In our community, these things are almost taken for granted as good things, if only because the people we don't like 
don't like them. And there's something to that. As we've seen, disliking beauty creates ugliness. Disliking strength creates weakness. Disliking marriage creates a host of problems like promiscuity, fatherlessness, and isolation. And disliking children creates death. So clearly beauty, strength, marriage, and children are good things in themselves, if only to spare us the suffering caused by enduring their alternatives. But of course, that's a shallow justification for any choice. I'm choosing this one because I don't want the other one is not a powerful posture for any man. And with such essential parts of life as beauty, strength, marriage, and children, surely we can do better. So that brings us back to our original question. We've decided that we want these things, okay? We've decided that they're good, even better. We know they're intrinsically valuable in themselves and for the purposes they serve. Great. But what is that purpose? When I first encountered these questions, the answer felt just out of reach. I could graze it with my fingertips, but not quite grasp it, even though somehow I felt I should. Then when I got it, everything made sense. I felt that the why couldn't be more obvious, and all the pieces clicked into place at last, and I knew I could plant my feet in the things I wanted, in these fundamental questions, and in the blessing of their answers. Which brings me to my guest this week. His name is Toby Sumter, and he's a pastor, author, blogger, YouTube star, husband, and father. And in this podcast, he articulates the why of beauty, strength, marriage, and children better than anyone I've heard. And that makes sense, because on his YouTube channel and blog, Having Two Legs, Cross Politic, the podcast he hosts, and his book, No Mere Mortals, he cuts to the heart of the matter about Christianity and culture in a direct and inspiring way that can't help but speak to every red-blooded American man, which is probably why he and his fellow pastors at Christkirk in Moscow, Idaho, including Doug Wilson and Jared Longshore, are leading the charge as Christianity engages on the cultural battlefield. If you don't know these names yet, you will, because these are three of my favorite warriors for Christ fighting the noblest fights amidst the falling wreckage of our failing nation. In this podcast, Toby and I discussed his history and background from his youth as a pastor's kid through seminary up to today, the origin of the term nuclear family, what the most valuable thing in the cosmos is, the miraculous formula for joy, what real manliness looks like in the home, and what it means for a man to choose the right sacrifice. This is my 52nd interview, and I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary of the podcast in about three months. I'm very proud of what God has helped me accomplish here. So with that in mind, I need to say, the last 30 minutes of this interview might be the most important 30 minutes of my podcast so far. And that's saying something. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to share it with the men in your life. And if you have a moment, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and also a rating on Spotify. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Please connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Men, and visit my website, renofmen.com. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, the author of No Mere Mortals, Pastor Toby Sumter. Pastor Toby Sumter, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So um, I've been listening to your No Mere Mortals content, your seminar, and the man rampant you did with, with Pastor Doug. But before we jump into some of that content, which I think is incredible, um, I wanted to give the listeners a bit, a bit of the sense of your background. I know that your father was a pastor as well. Some of the story that led you up to this really particular moment. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. My, um, my dad came to the Lord in college. Um, my, my mom uh, was raised in a, a Christian family. And, um, and then uh, uh, as my, my dad was just hungry to learn the Bible. So um, it landed in a, a reformed church in Oregon. And then the pastor there encouraged him just to go to seminary to learn. So he went to seminary and that kind of led him down a path of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up uh, in a pastor's home. I'm a, I'm a PK, as they say. <laughs> a pastor's uh, kid. Yeah. Um, and my dad uh, pastored churches in uh, Alaska and Maryland, um, Oregon. And now he, um, he's, a, he's still um, in the ministry uh, in the um, Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, mm-hmm. um, and works for the Presbytery uh, down in Texas. And um, I jumped ship in, uh, when they were in Maryland um, <laughs> and uh, after finishing high school, and I came out to uh, Moscow, Idaho, where I went to New St. Andrews College for my okay. undergraduate. So I've been here in Moscow for um, since 1998. Um, mm-hmm. I did college, stayed on. Um, there's a pastoral training program under the church here called Greyfriars Hall um, that I did. And then um, I did go to seminary in South Carolina at Erskine Seminary for two years, did a master's degree there. And that's kind of the process that the Lord used to warm me up to ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, convinced me that it was, uh, that's what he was calling me to. And then um, uh, after a couple of years in South Carolina, was called back to ministry here. I pastored, a, we have a sister congregation called Trinity um, here in Moscow, um, and I uh, pastored there for 10 years. And then I've, I pastored as um, uh, Doug Wilson's associate pastor at Christ Church uh, mm-hmm. for about, I think it was four years, um, or maybe it was th- three or so. Um, and then we just planted a new church here in Moscow called King's Cross um, that I'm uh, leading. Uh, so um, that, that brings us up to the present, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing uh, during the COVID times, you you uh, did uh, some of those sermons out on a big field somewhere out there. Like, oh, what, what yeah. was going on with that? That was amazing. Yeah, we did. Well, yeah, so we did. When all the shutdowns were, you know, happened in, in uh, 2020, you know, like everybody else, nobody knew exactly what was going on, although some of us were more suspicious than others. <laughs> yes. um, but, uh, but, we, uh, but we, you know, kind of uh, gave the government the benefit of the doubt and, right. and closed down for, uh, we did three, three weeks online. So we, re- we recorded um, three Sundays, just pre-recorded a service and, and live streamed it on Sunday morning for our people. And then uh, by the third week, uh, the elders decided, um, all right, we need to get back in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, you know, wanted to go in from the shallow end. So we did a, um, a drive-in uh, service. We did actually did three drive-in services. That's cool. We, uh, we bought a, a, a radio transmitter. Um, and so everybody could pull in with their cars and then tune their radio to the, to the station. And one of our elders built kind of a big platform. Um, the first two weeks we did it in an airfield. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw pictures of that. And then the third week we, it was just in a big farm field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, one of those weeks was Easter Sunday. I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but, um, and the first week we just said, well, we'll just do it in the cars. But, um, I think we said like, everybody can get out of the cars 
at the doxology at the end of the service. And then mm-hmm. the second week, we were like, if you want to get out during the confession of sin and the reading of scripture, feel free. And then the third week, we said, bring your chairs and just, <laughs> and then, and then the, after that, actually, we, we told our city uh, that was still a lockdown, we sent a letter to our mayor and said, we're going back to in-person worship with or without your permission. Mm-hmm. And then that week, actually, providentially, our governor loosened restrictions on churches. And so that kind of gave us cover with our with our city. So that's what that was. Those pictures and videos were. Yeah, I remember watching watching that sermon. I think it was the Easter Sunday one, and just the the clouds behind you and the feet. You get a sense of the field and the open space and the cars there. It's like you know for for what it was like. That's that must be a pretty must have been a pretty uh, special experience for your parishioners. Well, after having not met for whatever it was three weeks, I know a lot of churches went longer than that, but um, but even that for us, I just it was. Uh, an incredibly moving experience to have everybody there uh, back in person again. And, you know, um, so yeah, God was good. So w- one of the reasons I, w- I was sort of interested to talk a bit about background is, um, you know, Christchurch has kind of become the center of a lot of things that are happening in Reformed Protestantism right now. And mm-hmm. sort of, and, and you're, there's so many topics, so much content coming out of Canon Plus uh, about pushing back on culture, about marriage and family. And now you're having this, as Doug calls it, this great land migration there. That's sort of, you're kind of sitting right at the center of all of it. Right. Yeah. So part of the reason we're, we planted another church um, this spring um, was because of that. We've mm-hmm. uh, we started multiplying services and we still have a, a number of services, um, but it just became clear to us that um, it, it, it seems part of it was just practical space, parking, logistics, that oh, kind wow. of thing. We, ha- we had to go to different locations but we're committed to having in-person preaching in-person pastors we don't want to do the projecting you know projector mm-hmm. screen uh sermons um and so but that by itself already that commitment pushes us in particular directions and it just seemed to us at some point that we weren't going to be able to pastor people well uh if we didn't um uh, uh actually spin off a, a congregation here we have a we have two services that meet at um, uh, sort of our main Christchurch uh, campus where Pastor Doug does uh, the bulk of the preaching. Um, Jared Longshore is the associate pastor there now. Um, but then we also have another downtown campus, Christchurch downtown, mm-hmm. um, that um, has one service right now with about 150 people in it that uh, uh, Ben Merkel, the president of NSA, and uh, on another pastor on staff, Ben Zorns, um, are leading that service. Um, and then I have two services at King's Cross uh, wow. between uh, three and 400 people. It's, uh, I tell people it's the weirdest thing to plant a church with 400 people. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not like any church plant you've ever heard of, probably. Although I guess maybe maybe in Acts 2, after they had 3,000 baptisms, you know, you, you, there's probably some of that going on. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a real, um, I think in so many ways, God's just been so kind in um, giving the elders here at, at Christ Church a, a number of men just a real, I think, um, vision for building Christian culture, um, withstanding the world, um, the winds of 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 you know whatever's you know faddish, whatever's popular, um, and and so we've been doing that for like you know thirty forty years, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's just it's just God's kindness and 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 grace in laying so many things down and putting so many things in place so that um, as kind of our world kind of comes apart as people, yeah. you know, as, as our culture continues 
to reject Christ and disintegrate as it must do when it rejects Christ. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, people scrambling now. I mean, I think COVID was the sort of this great, great awakening in a certain way for a lot of people like, you know, oh my goodness, you can do what? And I need to, you know, I need to be in a church that has a backbone. I need to be in a church community that's going to stay open. Um, that's not going to go along with these mask mandates and vaccine mandates and, um, you know, believes in constitutional law and, and so forth. Um, and, and I think there are some other places in the country that have some of that uh, uh, in place, but not very many, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think by God's grace, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that we've just been teaching and preaching and discipling people in and producing for ages and, um, you know, or last generation. And, um, and now um, Canon Plus and Cross Politic and, you know, the Femina gals and you know, just sort of all the, some of the, the, uh, microphones of our of our community are we're just you know in some ways all we're doing is just hooking it up to the <laughs> to the there's a cache there's a big cache here of a lot of content and yeah. we're just hooking it up and just saying it into the microphone mm-hmm. um and um and god's been pleased to allow that to really fly and yeah there's been this massive migration during covid um and then it doesn't seem to be slowing down um right. biden seems to be doing his part to help us <laughs> Praise God for that in its own way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I go to Apologia uh, here in Phoenix, and it's somewhat a similar situation. You know, it's a goes to a small, yeah. modest mid-century church, Church of the Redeemer, that it uses on Sunday afternoons, and the a number of cars just absolutely take over the surrounding neighborhood with people. The church is full up every week, and it's such a special. I didn't grow up in the church, um, yeah. so it's a special experience for me as an as a new member of the church to be able to go to such a vibrant, thriving. A church, such a, a, a vibrant service, and to see yeah. so many young men around. And it seems like a lot of that is happening at really key places. And, and you're sort of in one of them, which is what everyone's always looking. What's from my from my perspective, everyone's like, what's going on up in Moscow as an example to the rest of the nation in some ways? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we, we, we recognize that. And it's sort of scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and terrifying. And at the yeah. same time, I think we really are grateful I and mean, we, we mm-hmm. were grateful. It's, you know, in, in the same way that, you know, you, I don't know, you're, when you're getting ready to get married, it's terrifying. You yeah. know, that you're, you're going to, you know, this, you're going to become responsible for this woman and for the children that you, you bear. And that's a high calling, but it's, it's a good calling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's similar in the calling to ministry in general. I, you know, I, I respected my dad had a really, I have a really high view of my dad in the office of ministry. Uh, he was a he is a faithful man, faithful father, faithful husband, and and so I I I look up to that, and because of that, in some ways, I sort of thought, well, you know, that's really that's way up there. I maybe I'll just be a school teacher, you know. I mean, and I <laughs> I, I, I was I was per, actually perfectly uh, open to that at the time, and then the Lord slowly kind of closed those doors and led me down this path. Um, but I think in some ways we see it in a similar way. We we do we recognize that I think God has. Um, just blessed our community richly. We have a ton of resources um, in, in, you know, a lot of practical theology, um, uh, practical Christian living, a lot of Christian education resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think also just in cultural engagement and then uh, even in areas of academia with New St. Andrews College um, and really, you know, thinking deeply about, um, you know, uh, theological matters and philosophical matters. And so I think it's just We've been given a lot, and so we recognize that when God gives us a lot of things, then we we want to be generous with it. So we want to, and as people come and say, 
what do you do for this? And how do you understand this? We, we know everything we have is a gift and we just, we, and so we're grateful to be able to uh, give it away. Amen. And that's, that's the impression that I get from everything that, that you guys do up there with on YouTube and Canon plus it's just a fire hose of content. Like I, I cannot keep up with it. And there's something really beautiful in that. It's like, we have so much to give. We just, we just give it away. Here's blogs and podcasts and audiobooks and seminars. And it's just, it's so overwhelming in the best possible way. And that's kind of what needs to be happening right now. Where is, where is the positive Christian content coming from to really be, begin reforming the culture? Right. And I, I, that's why I love so much the stuff that you do, because it's so outspoken and so direct and so clear in a way that I think a lot of men and a lot of people really just need to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, um, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the men that have spoken into my life and modeled mm-hmm. it well for me. And, um, and I'm grateful for, um, you know, I, you know, with, um, both the church and uh, cross politic and canon, uh, you know, there's some of this is so much of this stuff is, you know, us just doing the next thing yeah. and, and then, um, and, and trying to be faithful and asking the Lord to bless it. And, um, and so we're, we're really grateful. Yeah. And, and, and I think that comes across as well. So I want to, I want to start getting into some of the stuff you've been talking about lately. So it, it feels like, all, you know, so many different reform uh, pastors, content creators, they choose their kind of lane, they, the, the subject that they specialize in, and whether culture, theology. And I've been uh, listening to uh, no, no Mere Mortals, and you've, you've really dug in on the subject of marriage and family in this really beautiful way. In fact, the first two parts of the No Mere Mortals seminar on the Canon Plus app, like I had tears in my eyes. So I want to start getting into some of that if we can, and and sort of maybe the book as well, and and some of those themes that you bring up, particularly around uh, the idea of the nuclear family. Maybe we can maybe we can start there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I yeah, I'm trying to think of the best way to to jump in, but I I think one of the ways I I set this up, and actually the seminars I recorded a number uh, a long time ago, and I I can't even exactly remember which thing I did in which seminar. So, um, but I hope this is getting at what you're talking about, but, um, the, um, uh, um, one of the, one of the things that occurred to me, well, first of all, I, um, I think I mentioned this in the introduction to, um, no mere mortals or or somewhere, uh, or maybe even on the seminars, but I think it was CR Wiley. Chris Wiley is a, is a, uh, friend of mine. He's a a PCA pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, good man. He wrote a book called man of the house. Um, Mm -hmm. and another book called, uh, um, the, the family and the war for the cosmos, I think the household and the war for the cosmos. Oh, there we go. Household. Yeah. Um, both highly recommend those books. Agreed. Um, and, um, and I don't know if he says it in one of those books or I picked it up in a conversation or something, but it's at one point he, he said, you know, for a lot of Christians, uh, even like complementarian Christians who, you know, mm-hmm. believe that men and women are different and, and believe they have different roles and so on. Um, when you, in terms of like what the cash value of what it means that the, the husband is the head of the household and he's responsible for his wife, um, he said, you know, for a lot of people, it, it, it's sort of this, like, it's, it comes down to like, like, well, I guess that means that, um, you know, uh, if we can't decide what we're going to watch on TV tonight, the husband gets to decide. And it's, it's sort of like, and it's like, like, that's like the, like, and that's because our vision for family is so um um emaciated it's yes. it's so it's so um uh, um tiny mm-hmm. and, and like what is a family for what is a marriage for and you're like well i guess you know even christians are kind of confused by it. like i well, i guess yeah. you know it's like where you live and you know it's nice to have somebody around and you know or you know well we want to be sexually pure and you know so we you know that's a lawful way to have sex and um right. 
you know, and and then like, and then what do you do? Well, I guess we eat and we, you know, watch TV and play games sometimes. Yeah. And so then it's like, so then like be, being the head of your household, like if that's the most important thing you decide to do is like, what, what are we going to eat for dinner? And, you know, what are we going to watch on TV? Um, you know, now it, it just makes headship look lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why do you, why do you need to make a big deal about being the head of your household if that's what you're going to do? And I think now, obviously for those Christians who are committed to the Bible and Ephesians five and, and similar places, uh, even if they don't understand what it's for, I mean, I'm grateful for them to do it, even if they're mistakenly think that that's all it is mm-hmm. better to obey and not understand um, than to not obey. But I also think that it's a recipe for disaster because I think what's happened over decades is the the accusation kind of sticks. If 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 being the head of your household means you get to pick what's on TV or you get to pick what's for dinner, like that's just stupid. <laughs> like it's lame. Now mm-hmm. it, it may be obedient to God, but it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, and so that's one side of it, which I think a lot of well-meaning Bible believing evangelical Christians, um, I think, are liable to. Um, that, that accusation. What, why, what, why do you need to be the head of your household if all that means it's just something lame like that? You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm the boss. I, you know, I have the remote control, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> you know, I get yeah. to drive the car or, you yeah. know, whatever. It's kind of lame. Um, then the flip side is something um, that I, I noticed years ago. Um, I've, uh, I'm not quite as regular in it as I used to be, but for a number of years, I was uh, going up um, to the uh, we have a university uh, of Idaho here in Moscow, and I'd, I'd go up to campus and I'd preach, uh, do do open air preaching and evangelism mm-hmm. with students up there. Must and, be interesting. Um, and you always get yeah, you always get really interesting conversations and and discussions and responses. But you know, I, I like to say over years of doing it, you like you got used to the um, the responses that you would get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like everybody at Pagan University went to the exact same uh, catechism classes. <laughs> so it's like they bring up the exact same, you know, you know, <laughs> objections. Yes. And sometimes it's, you know, I went to science class and now I know that we evolved over billions of years. So I don't believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like the problem of evil. I can't believe in a good God who's all powerful and allowing evil things. And then one of the other classic ones is bringing up um, obscure Old Testament laws. Mm-hmm. Selfish. Um, you know, yeah, you know, the, the shellfish thing or, you know, the uh, God commanding genocide or um, or the death penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is, is is a common one. I couldn't believe in a God who, you know, you believe in a God that actually said that a rebellious son could be executed. You believe in a God who said that, you know, adultery could be, ex, you know, could be punished by um, uh, capital punishment. And um, and I was and I, and I told Christians, when I bring this up, is first of all, you know, if you're ever going to do evangelism and apologetics, you have to have, you've got to already determine in your head that um, you have no problem passages at all. Mm-hmm. God said it, it's good, you love it. And so the, the quick response should be absolutely, absolutely, I believe in those things. Not, and you're like, you're not ashamed of it, you're not, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, well, why not? Well, for at least two reasons. Um, one is, is um, you guys, you pagans, rejected God's law. 70, 80 years ago on family and sexuality. And you said, you know, uh, no fault divorce, um, sex on demand with whoever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, Homosexuality is fine. And now we're all the way down to transgenderism stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you rejected. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is you rejected God's law on marriage, family, sexuality. 
And in the process, you have executed over 60 million babies. Mm-hmm. And so it's not whether you're going to have the death penalty. It's who, what, who are you going to execute? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, murder, you put to death, you executed 60 million babies and counting. And if, if that wasn't enough, you've created an epidemic of fatherlessness, addiction, suicide, depression, um, porn addiction, um, cr- um, crime school shootings, and mass incarceration, hmm. right? And, you know, so I say, how's that working out for you? You know, like, yeah, I will take God's law and his death penalties every single day of the week over what you've given us over the last 70 years. And, of course, you know, they always say, well, would you just give us another, give us some more money and we'll do it right this time. <laughs> it hasn't, and it's never been really tried. No, no, yeah, stop it, stop it. But the but the second thing, and this relates back to the, to the, um, the nuclear family point is um, uh, when, when you're driving down the road and, and you see um, flashing lights, you know, uh, police officers and paramedics and you know, emergency response vehicles and orange cones and yellow tape up. Um, if you're, you know, most people don't drive by and say, you know, golly, somebody's really overreacting. <laughs> no, you assume, oh, something must have gone wrong. And, 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 and you're, you're thankful. You think, watch out, be careful. I'll take the detour. Um, and you're, you're, you hope everyone's okay, and you're thankful for all the re- first responders. Um, I think the death penalties in the Old Testament should be thought of like that. Mm-hmm. Is It's God's flashing lights, orange cones, yellow tape, barbed wire fence, and God saying, watch out, watch out, watch out. Yeah. Um, there's something really powerful here. And if you look at them, um, almost all of them, most of them are connected. Um, to family, marriage, and sexuality. That, that's where God institutes death, you know, and life. You know, obviously, you know, m- murder is the is the one mandatory uh, death penalty. Um, I take the others to be maximum penalties, but they're all related to messing with marriage, family, and sexuality. God's saying, "Watch out! Watch out! Watch out!" There's something um, potent going on here. Well, uh, um, in in conservative um, churches and circles, I. Uh, when I'm talking about this, I, I you know especially like to say, all right, so who here is a is a fan of the Second Amendment? You know, you know, and and everybody's like, yeah, you know, yay, guns, guns, you know, and uh, and I and I and I say, yeah, and and you know, um, we should have the right to defend ourselves, yeah, from intruders, yeah, and um, defend ourselves from a tyrannical government, yeah, yeah. And the people should have the same arms and the same firepower to be able to match the firepower of the of the federal government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I say, <laughs> and so so people should have nukes, right? And and then the, there's always some guy in the back who says, yeah. <laughs> and I say, watch out for that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, it's not serious. Yeah, and I, but I say, I always say, it's like so. So, given your commitments to the Second Amendment. Why does everybody get nervous about nukes? Mm-hmm. And and the answer is obvious. Is because well, he's like, Ugh. well, because that's dangerous. Like, I mean, like really dangerous. Like, you know, guns and you know, rocket launchers, maybe or you know, like whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe even having a tank in your backyard. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like like there's a sort of like a process that you have to take, and it's pretty mechanical, and you know how it works, and you know, like you can kind of get around defending that. Mm. But the thought of your neighbor playing with uranium in his basement yeah. <laughs> freaks everybody out, mm-hmm. rightly. Yeah. And because 
what he's doing in his basement could have massive ramifications for miles around, mm-hmm. right? If he's playing with plutonium and drops something, kaboom, right? Yeah. And, and so um, what we should have recognized decades ago as Christians and conservatives is, um, so decades ago, the liberals started saying, why do you care what consenting adults do in the privacy of their own home? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of Christians said, well, um, it's wrong, it's sinful, but yeah, I know, I don't want to seem like a creep. You know, like I'm like, you know, being a, you know, voyeurist, you know, I'm, I'm spying on people. Yeah, I guess uh, what you do in the privacy room. And we kind of soft peddled it. Yeah. But the answer should have been because what you're doing in the privacy of your own home um, has a massive impact on our world. Yeah. If, if you, if you mess with marriage, like you're planning to do what you're, what you're doing is you're playing with something that's nuclear. That's why God put the death penalties around sexuality and murder, uh, and, and sexuality and family and marriage. He said, when you mess with marriage, when you mess with family, when you mess with sexuality, you're messing with the nucleus of something that is potent and powerful in the world. Um, and when you play with that nucleus and you pull it apart, it goes boom. Mm-hmm. And so what we are living in is the nuclear fallout of um, messing with sexuality, marriage, family, uh, parents, and kids. Um, yeah. And it's, we li- we're living in a cultural Chernobyl, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, we, yeah. know what, we know what nuclear um, accidents do. It creates radiation and fallout for decades. That's, that's what it does. And that's so, so um, the family is nuclear, and the, the, the origin of that... Um, that term is that it's the basic, it's the nucleus, it's the basic building block of all human culture. It's the basic building block of all human society. That's where human society begins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, and and so it's nuclear in that sense. It's it's the nucleus, but it's also nuclear in the other sense. Um, it's potent. It's powerful. And um, and then the last thing, and then I hope I'm hitting the things you You're right <laughs> on the head. Bang. For, but, um, but the last thing is back to the original question um, uh, that Wiley uh, kind of raised for me is you know w- w- so so why um, why do you have to have a, a government for the family um, why is it important to have a leader um, a, a boss why why is it important um, for you to have a vice president a co-pilot mm-hmm. you know that helper uh, in the wife why is it important to have that hierarchy between parents and children why is it so important to have that government. And the simple answer is, is because um, what we're doing in the family is um, potent and powerful. The mm-hmm. stakes are high. Mm-hmm. The, the stakes are high. And, and, you, and you, you see this in other, um, compare it to other governments. Um, you, can, you can tell um, where the god of a culture is um, by wherever they, uh, the culture assumes obedience and submission to authority. And wherever they question it and warn you about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. So wherever a culture says, yeah, well, you better do that. That's what you got to do. Yeah, that's what we got to do. And, you, and it's like, no questions asked. There's your God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and wherever they say, no, well, be careful. Be careful about this. You know I mean? You know, you know, you don't always have to obey this and watch out for this. You know, then, then you can tell where they're disrespecting uh, authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, um, take an average 
um, conservative Christian Bible study, uh, women's Bible study. And, um, and the ladies are all, you know, finishing up their Bible study and la- lady looks down at her watch and says, Oh, it's, it's almost five. I, I got to get home for dinner. My, my husband um, asked me to be home by five. Um, I need to obey him. And all of a sudden she'll get around this conservative Christian Bible believing room, a bunch of concerned looks. Mm-hmm. Is everything okay? You know, blink twice if you're in an abusive relationship, right. um, you know, um, <laughs> You know, do we need to pray for you? Is everything okay? And she, she, yeah, I'm just going to go home and make dinner for my husband. Yeah, I'm, I I obey him. I submit to him. And everybody's like, oh, he, he, she used the word obey. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you say, I got a ticket and I got a, I have a speeding ticket and I have to, I have to pay it. Um, everybody says, oh, yeah, that happened to me one time too. And, you know, I paid it and everything. Yep. And, and you don't get the, ex- the same responses at all. Right. Um or, you know, if you say, my pastor told me to do something, I need to do this, I need to obey him, what, what's the question you're going to get? Are you in a cult? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but, so, but you don't get the same thing. You know, all the, we live in, there's been all kinds of discussions in the Me Too stuff about um, abuse and abuse and all the rest of it. But um, all, everybody, even, even in conservative Bible-believing Christian churches, they, they will talk um, mostly about... Um, uh, obedience to the magistrate, being a good witness to the magistrate, submission to the magistrate, Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13. And then they, they say, now the Bible teaches headship and submission, but, but, and then they spend a whole, a lot of the emphasis on what it doesn't mean mm-hmm. on, you know, but now remember, it's not absolute authority. And if he's doing bad things, you don't have to obey him and you don't have to submit to that. And you don't have to submit to that. And he needs to be really, really careful in how he talks to you and how and, and it's all the exceptions. And the same thing with church authority. Yes, the, the pastors, he's a leader, but he's a very gentle leader. He's a meek and mild leader. And, you know, be careful because some pastors get abusive and they get high on their horses. And, and of course, you know, do, do husbands uh, ever abuse their authority? Absolutely. Sure. Um, do pastors ever abuse their authority? Yes, absolutely. But my point is, is if Christ is king and he's Lord over all the governments, then the same standard should be held to all three of them. Mm-hmm. And, and so they all have positive goods. And they all have um, exceptions. They all have places where you disobey. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you, if if one of them is favored, and you say, well, you better just obey. You can, you know, be careful about disobeying. Civil disobedience is, you know, that's just not a thing, mm-hmm. um, because it, it, you're you're sh- you're showing that you don't worship Jesus. You actually worship the state. Yes, it's the or state culture. God. Yeah, or or, or yeah, what's popular? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, and so, but the the um, but God says, submit to these authorities. All of them throughout the Bible is in the Lord, mm-hmm. in the Lord. Yes. Parents yeah. obey your, ch- your children, obey your parents in the Lord. Wives submit to your husbands as to Christ. Um, submit to civil magistrates as to Christ. Um, obey your, your pastors, those who rule over you um, in the Lord. Um, that's the, both the blessing for the obedience and it's also the limitation on, mm-hmm. on the obedience. Since I can obey these people in the Lord, great. But as soon as they start telling me to disobey the Lord, I'm free to disobey them mm-hmm. and, and disregard their instructions because it's in the Lord. And, and the, the point of all this, though, is to say, um, um, again, with, with governments and obedience, we understand governments and obedience when the stakes are high. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when the stakes are high and we think something important is going on, we say, well, yeah, you've got to have a leader. You've got to have somebody who's responsible and you've got to obey them. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this in business all the time employee that says, oh, I got to be on time for work because my boss said I had to be there. 
and I have to do this overtime, everybody understands, well, you got to do that. Otherwise, the business will fail. Mm -hmm. um, you have to obey because what you're doing is important. Well, it's the same point in the family. The reason why a wife obeys her husband, the, the reason why the husband is responsible to lead his wife and his family is because something important is happening there. And, yes. and the fundamental thing that is happening there is people are being made. Mm -hmm. People are being made. And people are the most valuable thing in the created universe. That's, that's the thing that people, because people, Amen. people are the most, because, because people are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is made in the image of God. There's gold is, you know, sure it's, it's potent. It's helpful. Oil, great. Gasoline, food. Yeah. All these things, good commodities, useful, helpful, important, but people are the most valuable thing in the whole created cosmos because people bear the image of God. And that's why um, families are so potent. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a nuclear reactor where people are being made, where the, image of God is coming into existence, right? The, whole, the mm -hmm. image of God is being made, um, and it's coming into existence through biological conception, mm -hmm. you know, sort of made in that sense. Um, but you don't stop making these people, these human beings, just after they're born, right? Yep. Um, we feed them in order to keep forming them and making them. We read to them. We hug them. We change their diapers. Uh, we spank their little bottoms. We teach them. Um, we pray with them. We take them to church. We send them to school. We um, enroll them in sports and extracurricular activities. Uh, we sing with them. We dance with them. We laugh with them. Um, that whole uh, nexus uh, or, or matrix of family life and family culture um, under the loving oversight of, of parents a husband and a wife who are united in Christ and loving and disciplining their children. That is the nuclear reactor of the family. Mm -hmm. And obviously, of course, um, none of our families are perfect. All of our families have been touched by this radiation. All of our families have been yeah. um, in various ways. They're broken, they're deformed, they're bruised, they're, they're scarred in various ways. And sometimes, you know, um, there's divorce. Sometimes there's death in the family and disease. And sometimes um, there's been remarriage and a blended family and all the rest of it. Um, but, um, but nevertheless, the ideal of the family, um, what God made it for, that we're striving for to imitate, um, is um, because of its potency and because of its glory. Mm -hmm. To the extent um, that um, at, at the, the only way that the, the family um, can do this is through Christ. Yes. Um, the, 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 the very end of uh, our English Bibles, the book of Malachi, Malachi 4, um, says, promises that God is coming, and he, and he says he's going to send a messenger ahead of him who's going to come, and, and is John the Baptist, and it, and it, and it says, um, and I will come, and I will turn the hearts of fathers to the children, and the hearts of children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Mm -hmm. And so the, the breakdown of the family really is a curse on the earth, curse on the land. It really is like, um, you know, a, a nuclear um, implosion, a nuclear fallout. Um, but Christ and his cross um, is the great radiation absorber. Hmm. Um, it's, it's how you do the nuclear cleanup. Christ takes the curse 
on the cross of all our families and so turns the hearts of children back to the fathers and the hearts of fathers back to the children. And so if the cross is at the center, no matter the makeup of your family, no matter the, the brokenness, no matter um, the nuclear fallout, um, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he takes our toxicity, he takes um, the fallout, he takes our radiation away, and he begins um, to build um, human beings, restoring the image in them that was broken in the fall. Um, and he does um, powerful and glorious things. And it's, it's potent, it's powerful, it's huge. And that's why uh, we want to honor the calling of a man to lead his family and be responsible for his family and a woman to glorify her husband's works and, and honor and obey him. And together they raise children in the Lord. That's potent, that's powerful, it's nuclear. Man, I just, I feel like I just got a private sermon. That's absolutely, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank, no, really, thank you so much for that, because all of those pieces, they all fit together. And the, I don't think the conversation can be had in isolation where, well, let's just talk about this. Let's just talk about yeah. this, because it's the, it's the total picture of the whole thing, because you, you brought it all together in the end in this way that was right along the lines that I was thinking that, that something, and I'm going to try and talk my way through it here, is like the atom got split sometime in the 1950s and the 1960s, and everything, everything blew up, right? right? Everything blew up. There were these red flashing lights around, around, as you said in the Old Testament, around the death penalty, around don't mess with sex and sexuality and family. And what mm -hmm. do we do? What do we do in America? Not we, but what did our, our forefathers yeah. do in America? They, they decided to split the atom in the 1960s. Kaboom, right? right. And, everything, and everything blew up, and now we're living in, in the, in the post radioactive fallout, you know, and, and now, so now at the end, you have Christ coming in and beginning to sweep up in the lives of so many men and women, this radioactive fallout and begin to reestablish the sense of the nuclear family again. Like I'm watching men's hearts, families' hearts, couples' hearts begin to be absolutely transformed. It's happening in my own life, sanctification, regeneration. It's the mm. most, it's the most marvelous thing. And it's happening in people's lives as they're rediscovering the Adam coming back together. And, but the thing that would combine it together, because, you know, I was lucky enough to grow up in a, in an intact family. My parents didn't divorce until after I left home. So I got to experience that, but there wasn't, there wasn't Christ at the center of that. So the bond was unstable because without Christ at the right. center, without Christ holding it all, the whole thing is liable right. to blow apart just through exposure to the radiation around it. Right. And so we suffered right. through some of that, but now I'm beginning to experience it, And so many people are beginning to experience that it really is Christ's death and resurrection sacrifice that's bringing us all back together and sweeping up this radioactive mess for the people that are willing to submit themselves, particularly the men that are willing to submit themselves to his authority. And then the mm -hmm. women follow those men and everything comes back into alignment and we're watching it happen in our lives. Yeah. I would almost say it's miraculous, except there's nothing really miraculous about it. That's the promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, well, I mean, it, it, it is miraculous uh, because it is resurrection. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is what he's promised uh, to do. But it absolutely is resurrection. It's life from the dead, um, and and so we're you know that's that's what conversion and regeneration is. We're dead in our sins and trespasses, and He makes us alive um, by His grace. Um, I think the other piece of it is that it's sort of like um, the cross and conversion and justification is is the um, uh, the dethroning of of the of of the devil, the dethroning of that radioactive power yes. in your life it's dethroned it's yes. cast out that's regeneration christ comes in and takes up residence but then 
him having come in and being enthroned by the Holy Spirit in your heart, and, and you look around you and you see the remaining radioactive glow mm-hmm. uh, in your members, right? In, in your in your in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your body, and and there, you know, and so uh, and the, and so there's a continuous cleanup work um, still that needs to be ongoing, mm-hmm. and that's the work of um, confession of sin and repentance. Mm-hmm. Confession of sin and repentance, and and so this is this is the other piece that I really um, hammer on with men, women, marriages in particular, family life. But um, I think the um, if there's there's one thing you want, you say I just I just want my family, my home to be a happy place. I just, I just wanted I just wanted to be a happy place. I just want I just want us to get along well. I know that God's doing real you know really big things, but maybe just like I just I just wanted to be a, a happy place, a warm place. I would say the central thing is confession of sin and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Confession of sin, repentance, and forgiveness. Um, in uh, in First John, uh, it, it, John says um, that he he's writing his audience so that their joy might be full, and then he and then he says um, that he says our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. So joy and fellowship go together, right? Our Christian joy fundamentally is that we have fellowship with the Father through Jesus and the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ and his Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, but um, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's a real cool chain there going from joy and fellowship and light and confession. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the opposite going on there, is when you don't confess sin, you're letting darkness in and lies. And when you let darkness and lies in, you're breaking fellowship. Mm-hmm. And when you break the fellowship in the darkness and lies, you don't have joy. Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah. And so you can have, um, so when, when there's a family or a marriage that's just a, a mess and it's a wreck, and the, the first thing you need is conversion. If, you, if, if they're not Christians or if one of the spouses is not a Christian, then first of all, you don't have any joy because you're at odds with God. You don't have fellowship with God, so you don't have that joy. And because you're at odds with God, you're at odds with one another. You can't mm-hmm. have human fellowship on the human plane if you don't have fellowship with God who is your maker. Um, And so first get reconciled to God, get the joy of the Lord from the Lord, and then begin working on the human fellowship. Um, But the only way you can have human fellowship is by walking in the light. And the only way you can walk in the light is by the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing you from all sin. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, that's the the task though of you, you want to lead your family well, uh, you want to walk, you want to have a happy home, you want to have a family where your kids love you, where they, they love the Lord. The key thing is walking in the light, and the way to walk in the light is by confessing your sins so that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you. Um, and so uh, you confess your sins to God first and foremost, obviously. He's the one that needs to forgive you. But then having confessed your sins to God, you also confess to anyone you've sinned against, your wife, your husband, your parents, your kids, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, um, you, you go make it right. You confess your sins um, so that you can get 
you can do everything you can to be in fellowship. Now, sometimes they don't accept your apology. Sometimes they resent you. Sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they hate your guts, whatever. But, but if you've confessed your sins and God has forgiven you, as he always does, then you are in the light and you have fellowship with him and you have the joy of the Lord. And when you're in the light and you have a clean heart and you have fellowship with God um, and you have the joy of the Lord, um, you are in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the most potent place to be, to, to see what you need to do, um, to know what's next. Um, Jesus describes um, having sin in your life, unconfessed sin in your life, like having a log in your eye. You can't see clearly. And frequently when you're in sin, you're blaming everyone else. You're in sin, and you think, well, it's my husband's fault, it's my wife's fault, it's my kid's fault, it's my culture's fault, it's my church's fault. It's, you, know, you just blame everybody. And Jesus says that we may not do that. He says, take the log out of your own eye first, then you can see clearly. And, but he says, assume you're the, big, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Assume you have the bigger problem. Take the log out of your eye so you can see clearly. If you ever, you know, if you have little kids and, and uh, they have a lot of toys, if you ever tried to get up in the middle of the night when it's dark <laughs> and you try to make it to the kitchen for a drink of water, you know, watch out. Uh, it's, you know, you, at least if it's anything like my house was sometimes when my kids were little. Um, you know, you, you just watch out for Legos, watch out for, you know, all the trucks, you know, everything. Um, but you, 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 it's easy to stumble, fall, stub your toe. But the same thing is true about walking in the darkness of sin. When you have unconfessed sin, you can't see clearly. You can't see what you're supposed to do. You can't see where you're supposed to go. You can't see where the problem is. You can't see your wife clearly. You can't see your husband clearly. You can't see your marriage, your family, your kids clearly. The only way to see clearly is to confess your sins to God and to whoever you've wronged. And then you take the log out, the lights come on, you're walking in the light, you have the joy of the Lord. And frequently, a bunch of the stuff you thought was problem was just a shadow, and, the, mm-hmm. and it fades away. And then you can see clearly to actually deal with the things that need to be dealt with. But um, that's part of that whole process. It's um, that we have, a, we have a, a radioactive problem in our culture, the central issue, the central solution is the cross, the cent- and it is regeneration, conversion, life from the dead, resurrection, and then. But and, and you can't you can't do this. You can't confess sins and get into the light if you aren't converted. Mm-hmm. You have to get converted. But once you are converted, that you still see some of the radioactive glow in, in your family and in your lives. And once you ha- once you see it, then you know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, cr- Christians are not people who never sin. Christians are people who know what to do about sin, mm-hmm. right? And so just, just like when your kids are little and they spill some milk at the kitchen table, um, you, you, you shouldn't freak out. Oh my goodness. Milk, you know, milk is spilled. Ah, you know, no, <laughs> you just, you, you know what to do. Yeah. When milk is spilled, you get paper towels, you get a, you know, get a napkin, wipe it up. Mm-hmm. Oops. No worries. And, um, and Christians should be that way with sin. And, and even while recognizing that some of our sins are really gnarly, some of our sins are need to you know, take a real process to get um, undone, yeah. but in the cross, all our sin was crucified. In the cross, all our sin was taken care of in principle, which means that whenever we come across the sin in our life, we have the blood of Jesus at our disposal to make it clean. We know what to do with it. We confess it, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's, that's the key to a joyful marriage. It's the key to a joyful family. And I would say it's the, it's, it's the oil of gladness that keeps all the gears 
to, you know, to mix metaphors, just, you know, all the gears running smoothly in that nuclear power plant. You want that nuclear power plant to be running smoothly, um, then you need the oil of gladness filled up. And the oil of gladness comes from the joy of knowing your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. The joy of knowing your sins are forgiven. And in that place, it's, it's potent. Men, look at the world today. You know something isn't right. You know many things aren't right. And if you're smart, you also know that you have something to do with it. What's wrong isn't your fault, but I bet you know you could do something to change it. In fact, I bet there's something you could do right now, not just a task undone, though there are plenty of those. I mean a journey untaken, a land undiscovered, a shield gathering dust, a sword rusting, a map rolled up somewhere inside you, and a call unheeded. If this describes you, I understand. It once described me. I was 50 pounds overweight, stuck in a dead-end relationship, surrounded by men afraid of their women, and waiting for my hopes to come to me. I would have waited forever, except for one thing. I wanted to live not simply be alive. I wasn't content to float down the river of life with everyone around me. I wanted to paddle towards the shore and follow my path towards adventure and along the way make a difference in this beautiful and broken world. So one day, that's what I did. And I started in the company of men. I'm beginning a new online men's group called The Forum of five to eight men who are looking to live like I once was and I have spaces opening in my men's renaissance coaching program. Email me at info at if you'd like to learn more. Just know there is more in you. Are you ready to discover it? Yeah, the, 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 the distinction that I've heard is that there's a difference between consequences and penalty. That there will be consequences for sin, uh, like right. terrestrial human consequences that you know that you may have to deal with when right. unwinding, but the 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 penalty you know has been has been paid for right. you know for professing Christians who confess their sin. Yeah, you may have a lot to clean up with your spouse or your friend or or whoever. Right. Um, but as but the thought that I had during that, maybe I'll, I'll try this on, is that any any consequences you might pay pales in comparison to the cross. So oh, yeah. yeah, and endure your endure your human consequences gladly and gratefully, and go through that that legitimate suffering to be free of it and to be in the gladness of the Lord. Yeah, it it um, it's um, it's a completely different thing to endure consequences on your own and alienated from God. Mm. Everyone is going to endure the consequences because God made the world the way it is. Gravity exists, you know. Mm-hmm. It, you know, things fall down. Um, it, it, everybody endures consequences, but it's a completely different thing to do it completely on your own, alienated from God, and doing it with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, if, yeah. if you can, I mean, you have two paths. Here's, here's a path, um, and it looks kind of bright, maybe well lit, you're not really sure, and Jesus says, I'm not going down that path. And the other one looks kind of dark and a little scary. And Jesus mm-hmm. says, I'm going down that path. Mm-hmm. But which one do you want to go down? Uh, if you know Jesus, if you know the Lord, you want to go with him. 
know, no matter what, there's a, a Christian um, uh, missionary biography that I read a little uh, not too long ago um, that I am completely blanking on the woman's <laughs> name and the title of the book. So sorry. Um, <laughs> but, come to you. Uh, it was this young couple who went uh, to be a, a missionary in the Far East um, uh, right before World War II broke out. And um, and the World War II broke out and it, it was getting um, dangerous and a whole lot of the missionaries um, fled and, you know, and and um, and and, um, and came back to the States um, because of uh, Japan uh, mm-hmm. invading the islands around them. And this young married uh, missionary couple just prayed about it and decided they were called to stay. And so they stayed. And about three months in, j- sure enough, uh, the Japanese invaded. They were separated into uh, concentration camps and spent mm-hmm. the remainder of the war in concentration camps. And this is a, uh, the, bi- the autobiography is the story of this woman's time in this concentration camp. And uh, over the course of the war, um, uh, she, so she never saw her husband again. Um, mm-hmm. He died in the concentration camp uh, a year or two into it. Uh, but at the end of it, she found uh, she was uh, friends, friends gave her his, some of his belongings and a diary and a journal or whatever. And uh, one of the things uh, he, he could kept was a letter that he had, I guess, intended to send to her where he apologized to her, you know, for having kept her there and he said we should have gone home you know I'm, I'm so sorry that i did this to you and and she says that this there's this wonderful paragraph and this is at the very end of her her autobiography where she just says you know when i read that i was so upset mm. uh, with him <laughs> she said even though i know he knows better now but because we had prayed and we were convinced that the lord was with us and so we I, she says i never for in, 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 at all ever doubted that we had made the right decision because she, and she said these words, she says, I would, I would not have been anywhere else except in that concentration camp because the Lord was with me in that concentration camp, mm-hmm. right? We want to be wherever the Lord is. And if the Lord's in the concentration camp, then we want to be there in the concentration camp with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have Christ, you have everything. If you don't have Christ, you have nothing, right? Yeah. Um, you have Christ, you have everything. And so, yeah, enduring the hardships, enduring the consequences, if you have Christ, um, it's, it's everything. So I, w- I want to ask a question about that um, that relates to some of the men that I deal with and that I talk with, that they would, they would look at that spirit of Christianity and they'd say, oh, that's, that's weakness. They should have fought their way out or, or who knows, right? That men can't understand that how much strength there is in walking with the Lord, even if that leads you into a situation like the concentration camp. And there are a lot of men that don't understand that about Christianity at all, even mm-hmm. you know, pre-martyrdom. They just don't understand humbling oneself, self-sacrifice, and the spirit of moving the kingdom forward. And they would rather, they would rather fight. And they think that, that any notion of, of going into the concentration camp and being okay with that and grateful for that just is a sign of how weak Christians are. And uh, so I get that a lot from a lot of people who, who follow me who aren't willing to start walking the path. What would you say to a man who would say something like that? Yeah. Well, I would say, um, I understand that in our modern Christian, um, culture, I think the the conservative church on the whole has, um, veered to the entire other ditch and they think, you know, there's pacifism is popular. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, never fight back, uh, never fight, never push back, never argue. If you have any enemies, you probably aren't, you know, very good Christian, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things. And so to some of the, your objectors, I know what they're talking about because I've seen the effeminacy yeah. of the church. I've seen the weakness. I've seen the limp, limp wristedness. I've, I've, I've seen the, um, the sappiness 
in the modern evangelical church, and I see it, and so I know that they've got a point. Um, mm-hmm. That um, Jesus was not a sissy, right? Um, right? Um, and you know, none of the prophets were either. None of the apostles were either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, David, David, no, yeah, David was a warrior. Um, all the prophets were bold um, uh, uh, men. They all had backbones. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and so I. So my first answer is, I know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about that. So when I say sometimes God calls a man to a concentration camp, sometimes God calls a man to martyrdom, sometimes God calls a man uh, to suffer great things for a long time, um, I'm not saying um, that um, that's the norm, that that's always, uh, or that that's somehow better um, than the man who um, uh, leads um, in a, in a victorious and, and humanly successful way. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would point to is, um, Hebrews 11. So Hebrews 11 is this, um, text um, of this pa- famous passage about how a number of the heroes of the faith, um, by faith, Abraham, by faith, uh, Moses, by faith, David, by faith, the prophets, by faith. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what you, what you find in there is, is this really, um, a glorious collection of uh, many men and a few women um, who lived by faith and were courageous, strong, and faithful to the end. And what you find, though, is some of whom um, uh, uh, won great military victories, stopped the mouths of lions, um, uh, received the dead back alive again, inherited promises, right? And some of whom it says were stoned, beaten, sawn in half, and uh, lived in, in the deserts and in, in, in uh, you know, in caves of whom the world was not worthy. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the Bible holds them all together and says they all lived by faith. They were all heroes. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 for me, um, I would say it is absolutely true that men are, the glory of men is their strength. Glory of men is their strength, and that strength is given them by God to be spent sacrificially in obedience to God for the good of those around them. Okay, that's the glory of men. It is their strength, um, not not gentleness, not meek. You know, not not um, you know um, hum- humility. Not, I mean, all those things are good. Those are virtues. Sure. But the glory of men is their strength. And the strength is to be spent sacrificially in obedience to God for the good of those around them. And, um, and depending on what God assigns to you for your story, you are to use that strength in different ways. Now, I grant that there are a whole lot of modern Christians who would rather go quietly into the concentration camp or quietly into exile because that would be easier mm. um, or whatever. I don't know if it really would be easier, but they, they, it's like, they're just sort of like, I want to avoid all conflict. And so I'll just go this way. They'd be agreeable. Yeah. I want to be agreeable. I want to be winsome, whatever. I want to have a good testimony, all the rest of it. And, and I would say if, if, if that's not God's assignment for you and you're just being a coward and you're being lazy, um, then, um, to hell with it. Right. Like I, I don't like, I, that's, that's not being manly. That's being effeminate. Um, you know, that you're emasculated. It's not, um, it, it doesn't look good on you. Um, um, but if it is God's assignment for you, and that's where your glory of strength needs to shine, 
um, you know, Bonhoeffer spent time in the in in a in a German prison before he was executed by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. I think he was being pretty manly. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a um, uh, uh, pastor uh, Wang Yi of China is in prison right now for preaching that Jesus is Lord over China, mm-hmm. and um, and I think he's being very manly right now. Um, it, um, you know the um, the soldier um, that um, you know maybe you know if you if you've got soldiers in the fray, um, they they are all called to be bold. They are all called to be courageous. But you run through the door, and you all have different assignments. And and one guy is securing the hallway, and maybe another guy sees a, a grenade on the ground and jumps on it, and take and takes the grenade and dies right there for his his team. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy in the hallway wasn't being wasn't lacking courage. He was doing his job. And the guy who saw the grenade and got on it first did his job. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the guy who leads the platoon that didn't jump on the grenade but wins the victory, he gets one kind of glory. The guy who jumps on the grenade gets a different kind of glory. Both Love of it. them, though, had to be pat, pumped full of godly testosterone. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's what we want. So we want we want men who rejoice in their testosterone, rejoice in their strength, um, rejoice in courage, stand fast and are firm, and then um, are are following the Lord Jesus in obedience to his commands. And depending, and, and as you follow God's commands, your path becomes clear. And the way that God is assigning you to use your strength becomes clear. Um, some of it is is just, is just straightforward. You, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you're married, there you go. Love your wife. Provide for her. Make sure there's a roof over her head, clothes to wear, food. Um, cherish her like, like Jesus does the church. There's, there's a, a blanket command to all husbands. You got that job. But depending on who your wife is, it's also going to have particular details to it. She's going to need, you know, 1 Peter 3 says, husbands dwell with your wife in an understanding way, uh, honoring her as the weaker vessel as a co-heir of the grace of life, right? So dwell with your wife in an understanding way means you need to study her, know what her particular weaknesses are, what her particular temptations are, uh, what are her particular needs are, and lead and direct her. Now, loving your wife and knowing uh, what her weaknesses are and, her, and so on doesn't mean you just do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. uh, I, I really hate the, um, I've come to hate the, the phrase servant leader yeah uh, for this for this reason because i i think frequently um people have twisted it to mean um that you um lead her by serving her in whatever way she says you must um, that, backwards yeah that, that 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 servant leadership means being a a, a doormat basically you lay your life down you know, husband, you know men are told lay your life down lay your life down and then they think that just means being a doormat doing whatever she wants me to do no mm. actually it's not <laughs> um um Loving your wife like Christ loved the church means um, laying your life down in leading her to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. You serve her by leading. You don't lead by serving. Amen. Right? You serve her by leading. And, and the place you're leading her is not wherever she wants to go. <laughs> yes, no. Right? The place you're leading her to is Jesus. 
-hmm. holiness, right? Washing your water with washing your wife with the water of the word, right? So that she will be spotless and blameless, just as Jesus is doing the church. And again, you think about if Jesus is the model and Jesus came, he's the model husband. Well, how did he lead and love his church? Well, he didn't come doing whatever we thought he should. Right? No. If if he had listened to us, we'd still be in our sins. Right? Yeah. If he had listened to us, we'd still be in our sins. Um, but he didn't. He didn't listen to us. He loved us. He had compassion on us. Um, he had compassion on the crowds in particular, like sheep without shepherd. Um, he he healed them, he provided for them, he cared for them, and then he ultimately gave his life as a ransom for them. Um, but he did it in order to get us to heaven. And we didn't even know we needed to go to heaven. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, right? God sent his son for us. So that's Christ-like leadership. It's loving your wife all the way to heaven. L leading your wife all the way to heaven, which means um, the service you're doing is seeing what she needs to become more like Jesus, seeing what she needs to get closer to Christ, closer to heaven, and then doing that. And frequently what you'll find is as you do that, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what take, that's the sacrifice. That's the service is doing the thing. It's, it's not the thing that, oh yeah, that was what I wanted to do too. You know, mm -hmm. Some of that, you know, honey, I think we should go to church. Okay, let's go to church. But it's when you get a little bit more particular and say, honey, I'm seeing something here that I think we need to work on. I want to talk to you about more. Um, and, you know, ooh, can you, you know, how's that going to go? How's that conversation going to go? And is, you know, is she a little bit offended or is, is her, are her feelings hurt? Or is that a challenging conversation? Now, now you're being a man. Mm -hmm. Now you're using your strength. Um, that's what you're for, mm -hmm. men. You're, that's what your strength is for. I, sometimes I, I say you know, one form of effeminacy, um, men acting like women, um, men acting soft, uh, one form of it is just being gay, being, you know, being um, homosexual, being sodomite, being you know, just being passive, being um, unassertive. You know, that's one form of effeminacy, yeah. certainly. And, and, uh, and one of the glaring ones that we stand against. Um, but I think less obvious forms of effeminacy are sometimes um, choosing the wrong sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So Jesus commands all of us to take up our cross and follow him, right? Um, yeah. you know, it, you know, maybe use the analogy again of, of the two paths. Um, you know, may, maybe they're both dark. <laughs> <laughs> right. Both look kind of spooky, but Jesus says, I'm going down this one. And I think men... Sometimes, because again, most of us red-blooded American types um, uh, know, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with homosexuality. We don't, we don't want to be that kind of gay, um, that kind of effeminate. But I, but I think so. What we do though is we hide our effeminacy, we hide our cowardice, which I think is fundamentally what our effeminacy is: it's cowardice and laziness. We hide it in other sacrifices, other things that look hard or maybe even are hard. Um, and so, you know, men will, you know, uh, play, um, you know, shoot them up video games, uh, or watch, you know, war movies, um, where it's like, you know, guns blazing and lots of dudes and you know, explosions and stuff. And you sort of get this feeling of manliness, yep. um, or maybe you go work on the car 
and you know it's just you know and you got to work on the car and yeah i got to work on the car and and it feels manly and you get some oil you know grease under your fingernails and you know um, maybe you know a few cuts and, and bruises in the process and you got a good story to tell your your buddies or you go hunting or you go shooting at the range um or whatever and again i'm not against any of these things mm-hmm. in principle but the question is 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 that was that the assignment right now mm-hmm. is was that the sacrifice that god was asking you to take right now because sometimes um you could go work on your car you could go change the oil on your car or you could um go um help your wife with the kids yep and and you and and there's and sometimes the guy says i would rather work on the car mm-hmm. why because it's easier yeah. it's easier and it takes less of your strength it's it but at the same time you'll feel strong afterwards and still feel manly mm-hmm. you know or you go to or you go to the gym and you work out and look ah, i can see myself in the mirror i'm being manly you know yeah. or i go for a run or whatever again i'm not against those things and i think um understood rightly the the war movie the shooting range working on your car um the the workout regimen i'm for all those things so long as they're training you to actually use your strength obediently so 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 long as it's it's using your strength obediently then glory to god you you, it can all be practice Mm -hmm. and there are some you know some guys who would always go into the the living room and help you know whatever and say they're helping and they don't want to go work on the car when they need to (laughs) <laughs> right yeah. a bit of balance or go yeah. to the gym or whatever yeah yeah i mean i mean sometimes it's like dude get you know do something you know like you know you <laughs> you, you know you, you you're sitting behind a desk computer programming all day long or whatever and um you know and, and they would never dream of actually doing something with their bodies yeah and i and i would say there's a danger there too um um we, we what we want to do is cultivate the glory that god's given us which is strength but we want to think of that strength biblically that strength biblically, which means um, both physical strength, mental strength, spiritual strength, emotional strength, and then we want to use it and spend it in obedience to Jesus, in in serving and loving those He's assigned to us, which is usually typically your family, those closest to you, and then going out from there. Thank you so much for all of that. That is so much that I've been hoping for someone to articulate, trying to articulate pieces of it. But that right there was, I mean, I really hope men will will go back and rewind that and listen to that again, because that's the discussion that a lot of men get into. It's like, well, my friend Cameron talks about boomer masculinity, which is masculinity that's about consumption, beer, bacon, truck, whatever, nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you express your masculinity only through what you consume or only through what you do, and you neglect your family, you neglect your spiritual health, you neglect your emotional strength, you're not actually being masculine. At the same time, if right. all you do is study and you don't do any practice, you're also not being masculine. You need right. both. But I find so few right. people are articulating that today. Right. Yeah. Again, you know, David's a great example. King David was a um, a, a shepherd, a hunter, yep. um, a poet, poet, yes, a, a songwriter, dancer, a warrior. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he's a great example. I mean, he wrote the Psalms, and he, he and he and he had seen a lot of battle. Um, and and he was involved in politics, and you know, and was a was um, a man of prayer. Um, you know, again, um, I, th- I think those you want um, we want a holistic biblical vision of strength. Strength really is the glory of men. Um, but I think 
cowardice and laziness is the demon. Mm-hmm. And I and I think what we we um, will frequently do is um, is opt for the slightly easier sacrifice. It still looks cool. It still feels manly, rather than the obedient sacrifice. Um, that's the one we need because that's obedience to Jesus. That's the one. That's where Jesus is, and that's the one where. And the thing about the obedient sacrifice, the obedient cross, that's the one where resurrection is promised, mm-hmm. right? You can pick the wrong cross, the wrong sacrifice, and it, and you're like, look, I'm working hard, I'm working hard, I'm working hard. But if it's not the obedient one, Jesus, well, there's no promise of resurrection there. Yeah. And But when you're being obedient, whether it's in, you know, uh, with the little kids or starting a business, um, working on your truck, taking your wife on a date, starting a church, starting a school, teaching, whatever it is you're doing. If it's the obedient sacrifice, God promises to raise you up. Um, That means his blessing will be upon it. He'll raise you up to glory here in this life, however he sees fit, fixed car, happy marriage, obedient children, you know, nice house, whatever. Um, But um, for sure in the age to come, Mm -hmm. right? Resurrection now and resurrection at the end. And that's what gives you the confidence that I can, you can spend it, spend it all in obedience to Christ. Because it, when you spend it in obedience to Christ, Christ gives it all back. He gives it all back, right? 10, 20, 50, 100 fold. Mm-hmm. Thank you for squaring, because a lot of men get really lost in this notion of, um, I can only pursue the things that I'm interested in, my material pleasures, or I can only pr- pursue spirit. It's like, no, when you pursue obedience to Christ, you get both of them. And right. it, it's it's sort of difficult for our minds that they aren't good at holding two contradictory ideas in their mind at the same time. It's like right. something with our education, probably. But right. that's the truth of the matter that I don't think enough men are really hearing. Enough men aren't saying it. No, no. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. So uh, I know we've gone over quite a bit. And thank you very much. Do you have any word for women? Because I do have some women listeners. Do you have any word for women real quick before we go? Or unless yeah. you have to leave right now? Well, sure, that's fine. I, um, um, yeah, I think probably the two things I would say is, um, uh, number one, um, if, you're, if you're married, um, uh, understand, and, and you, you're, 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 you have a family, you're having kids, and, and so forth. Um, number one, uh, understand um, the power and potency of what God's called you to. Um, uh, we're being bombarded all day long with the lies of the world that say they want to empower you, and but you should know by now that when they say they want to empower you, it means they want you. They want to strip you of all your power. Yeah. They actually want to do just the opposite. Um, Christians, biblical Christians, believe in powerful women. We believe that God has given glory to women, which is their power, just like He's given glory and power to men. It's a different glory. It's a different power. It's no less potent. No less potent. And the center of that power is. Um, beauty and motherhood, um, or you could just describe it as homemaking, um, if you like. Um, in Proverbs, um, wisdom is a woman, and she builds a house and sets a table. Right? In Proverbs, wisdom is a woman who builds a house and sets a table. Um, what, and and, uh, and, and I, I started by saying, if you're married and you have a family, but really, this broader thing um, applies to all of you. Um, every woman, whether she's married or not, is called to this glory. Um, and so if you're not married, make a home. Practice hospitality. Welcome people into your home. Um, 
uh, be uh, practice that kind of fruitfulness and motherhood now. Or if you used to be married and now you're not anymore, or the kids are grown or whatever, again, um, continue to practice, build a house, um, decorate a house, glorify a house, um, set a table, and feed people. Mm-hmm. Feed people with your love, feed people with food, feed people with laughter, feed people with fellowship, right? Um, you're making people. Back to the beginning, right? Yeah. That's that's potent and powerful. Um, Deborah. Uh, was called a mother in Israel, in in Judges, and then in um, in, uh, in at the end of Romans, Paul in one of his greetings tells um, a, a guy named um, Rufus or says, "Greet the mother of Rufus, um, for she has often cared for me." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul was this great missionary who, nevertheless, was cared for and loved by a woman. The mother of Rufus was a mother to him, mm-hmm. um, and 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 remember in Galatians, Paul says that the Christian church is the mother of us all. The Christian church is the mother of us all. This is where um, God in his grace um, causes us to be reborn uh, into new life and where he nourishes us um, in the fellowship of the saints, in the worship, um, in, the, in the sacraments, in the table, um, in, in, the, in, in the community. And that, so motherhood, if, if motherhood can extend to those things, then motherhood extends to all women. Um, and so, um, do not be ashamed of it in the slightest. Um, um, you, you know, the world despises it. The world mocks it. The world makes fun of it. But you need to know this. The reason why they do is because it's so potent. Mm-hmm. They want you to be embarrassed of your most powerful weapon. They mock you. They, they make fun of you. They despise it. They, and, and so, but you need to know they hate it because it's your most potent weapon. So lean into it. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I would say, especially with your daughters, as you're raising up daughters, make sure that they know um, that being a wife and a mother is the most glorious thing a woman can do, and make sure that they have n- no embarrassment about it at all. Um, it's usually a little easier to do this with the elementary girls, because they all, they're all playing house still. Yeah. Um, but ask your 16, 17, and 18-year-old daughters, what do you want to do when you grow up? And um, you should want them to say, first thing out of the mouth, well, of course, I want to be a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if they want to say, and then I'm maybe thinking about doing some, you know, um, dental school or something, whatever, like feel free, uh, feel free, uh, other things, sure. But you want them to think, of course, I want to be a wife and a mom. It's the most, most glorious thing a woman can do, be a wife and a mom. Um, so I, I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thank you. Well, this is, thank you so much for all of this. this is absolutely beautiful. And, and I'm, I'm very blessed by everything you just say, and I can't wait for, uh, to, for people to hear this. Where can men go to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. Um, I have a, a blog that I, um, write on uh, usually once or twice a week, um, called having two legs. Um, you can, uh, I think it's tobyjsumter.com, mm-hmm. um, tobyjsumter.com. Um, and then I'm at Cross Politic um, every most days. Um, we do a daily show Monday through Friday. It's a um, uh, news uh, and culture show applying the Lordship of Jesus Christ to the public square. And then I got a bunch of stuff on Canon Plus, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and then the uh, Christ Church website, Christ Kirk, Christ K I R K dot com, um, has all my uh, sermons and um, other exhortations. Great. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Toby. This has been amazing. I'm very grateful. Yeah. Thanks for asking.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.